If you're like many dealers, you're probably asking the question, how is it that we sold more used cars last year but made less money? In his latest book, Gross Deception, A Tale of Shifting Markets, Shrinking Margins, and the New Truth of Used Car Profitability, author and V-Auto founder Dale Pollack answers the question. The problem, according to Pollack, is that the used car market experienced a seismic change in 2016 that no one seemed to notice. Gross Deception details what happened and how dealers can get back to making money in used cars. Pre-order Gross Deception from Amazon today or visit the V-Auto booth at NADA for a consultation and a free copy. Hello and welcome to a special Used Car Week edition of the Auto Remarketing Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Overby, Senior Editor of Auto Remarketing occasional panel moderator at Used Car Week. In this special series, we take 18 of our general sessions from this year's Used Car Week and share them with you through this podcast. If you missed out on Used Car Week or simply want a refresh on the sessions, these episodes give you a chance to take a deep dive into what was an outstanding week of industry education. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Well, good morning. Uh, Welcome. We're here. Uh, we have a, a unique group of, of uh, panelists today. We have a dealer, we have finance companies, OEMs, a fleet company all represented. And we want to talk a little bit about what's happening in, in the market, the, the remarketing area. But we're going to open up. I'm going to ask uh, Jason to start with an introduction. We'll go down the line. Um, if you give where you're at, name where you're at, and the types of vehicles you're responsible for selling, and how you go to market. Sure. Uh, thanks, Dan. Uh, I'm Jason Alba. I'm with Ally Financial, um, which you know obviously clearly suggests we, we primarily handle off-lease vehicles as well as repossessions. Uh, in terms of go-to-market, um, I think it's probably fairly well known that uh, at Ally, you know, we were one of the first adopters of um, kind of digital remarketing having built Smart Auction, uh, the Smart Auction platform, almost two decades ago now. Um, from a, where you get a market, we kind of call it the waterfall, right? So we start with online upstream, and effectively, whenever uh, any no sales or any other vehicles that we don't post on, online upstream are, are sold in the lane. Uh, for upstream channels, we use, uh, you know, obviously Smart Auction, but we also use other platforms in a, in a multi-listing or cross-listing um, scenario. Uh, we do, that pretty much covers most of our portfolio. We do sort of modify the strategy depending upon kind of vehicle type. So specialty vehicles like uh, Highline, RVs, uh, commercial vehicles will kind of alter the strategy a little bit depending on, on the type of product, but we'll still leverage, you know, the channels I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Tom Cornell here with Ford Motor Company. I'm responsible for auction operations for, for Ford. And uh, we are uh, responsible for remarketing any used vehicle that comes uh, into the company as a, a Ford-owned asset. So that includes all the rental repurchase units, all the red carpet lease units, all the company service vehicles, repossessions, test units, um, anything that, that belongs to, uh, to Ford Motor Company, wholesale repossessions as well. Um, our, our strategy has, uh, is, is, is pretty time-tested. Um, I've been on panels before, so it might sound a little bit familiar to you. 
but we use uh, obviously a combination of channels. Um, our off-lease uh, portfolio is first um, made available upstream to grounding dealers and then to uh, other Ford and Lincoln dealers and then to the open sale marketplace. And if it doesn't sell there, then it's consigned to auction and follows the auction process. Our rental repurchasing company service vehicles pretty much are consigned directly to the auction. Once at auction, we also take an opportunity to try and sell the vehicle prior to the auction lane through an online platform. Uh, we call Quick. that's our, brand, our private label OVE site, and then some of the vehicles that are designated as open vehicles will put on OVE prior to the auction lane. And then, of course, the, the, the balance then would flow through um, the auction lane, and we sell at across 30 or so auctions in the United States, um, as well as we took um, responsibility for Canadian remarketing at the beginning of this year. We use 16 auctions uh, throughout the country of Canada as well. And I'm uh, Tyler Corder. I'm the uh, Chief Financial Officer, Chief Operating Officer for Finley Automotive Group. Uh, we're a uh, group of 32 franchise dealerships and we're based here in the Las Vegas area. And we have dealerships in, in six western states. Uh, the bulk of our, our dealerships are here, about half our dealerships are here in the Las Vegas metro market. And so we've, about three years ago, uh, created a, uh, a Mannheim-Findlay sale. Uh, so it's just a, a private, uh, it's for our group only, uh, auction that we set up on a piece of property near the Auto Mall here uh, where we have a number of dealerships. And so about, um, it's every Tuesday we sell between 150 and 200 uh, units at our privately branded sale uh, that Mannheim facilitates for us. And uh, the types of cars that we're selling are trade-ins, uh, cars that we've taken in that for some reason or other we don't want to keep as a retail piece. And then also aged units. We have a 60-day turn policy in our group, so if a car reaches that, uh, that aging and hasn't been sold to a retail customer, it'll go through our auction site. Now, Tyler, does that, um, is that open to other dealers, or is that just open among it's, your it's, dealerships? It's open to other dealers for buying. Uh, it, it's only Finley cars that are being sold, so. uh, but we have about 250 buyers that uh, will, uh, will be bidding on the cars. Good morning. I'm Jim Jackson. I work for ARI Fleet. I oversee the remarketers in both Canada and the U.S., um, Right now, we typically take our vehicles to market. We have many different venues, many different channels that we use. We have an upstream, and the upstream in our world is a sale to a driver before it ever gets picked up to go to a physical auction. We're on many different digital platforms. Uh, we currently operate at 58 whole car auctions across the country. We also have a vast array of specialty auctions, uh, salvage, equipment, our fleet is so diverse, it's from sedans to utility vehicles to equipment. So right now, that's how we're taking our vehicles to market. Good morning, John Manchin from Subaru of America. I'm the National Fleet Remarketing Manager, and pretty much um, kind of like my fellow captive, uh, what Tom was saying at Ford, pretty much the same thing. All the vehicles that come back to Subaru that are, are needed to be remarketed in the secondary market, we're responsible for. 
How we go to market depends on the classification of the vehicle, but the majority of them uh, start in the upstream channel at the grounding dealership, and from there they move to a midstream once it rolls off from the closed site for just Subaru retailers, then it goes out to the open, and if it doesn't sell, it gets consigned to auction. The one little midstream piece that we put in, <coughs> as the vehicle's being consigned, as it rolls off from the upstream and it's on its way to the auction, we put it up on the receiving auctions platform. If it's Mannheim, it's OVE. If it's Odessa, it's dealer block, and it goes up. So while the car is being transported, it's still available to, to be purchased. Once it arrives at auction, then it's, it's set for a physical downstream sale. The only, the only cars that don't follow that are the rental repurchase because the same thing, the rental companies return them to the auction and they start their life cycle there. All right, gentlemen, thank you. Tyler, let's, let's go to you for a second. We've talked about how all of you are selling, how you're going into the market. Being the dealer, how are you acquiring your vehicles? Well, the first thing is that the last place we want to acquire a vehicle is at auction because then we know that we're the high bidder. Uh, so the vast majority of our cars come through trade, uh, but that does not supply everything we need from a used car standpoint. So we're, we make tremendous efforts to, to buy cars, uh, instant cash offers to customers, buying cars that come in through the uh, service drive, uh, a number, any way we can buy a car where we're not standing in, in line buying them. But when we do have to buy them, uh, then we are buying at auction. A lot of our uh, stores will go to the manufacturer uh, uh, sales to buy late model cars. We're looking mostly for low mileage late model cars, cars that we can certify uh, with the manufacturer's program. So we'll buy a lot of cars uh, online from the manufacturers. Uh, and then we do, our guys go out to the auctions and stand in a lane sometimes and pick up what we, what we need to fill in where we need to fill in. Okay, good, thanks. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of change in the, the remarketing industry over the last five years, a lot of it being digital, a lot of different organizations coming on, different ways of going to market. Um, last in Indianapolis at the NAAA, Jim Hallett stood up and, and talked about uh, the need to move away from running cars down the, the physical lanes and basically moving to a postcard type of sale. Um, what are your gentlemen's thoughts on that? Will it work for your types of vehicles? I can, I'll, I'll start. Please. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pick one of us. Uh, so, um, you know, we have a little history and experience with uh, postcard type sales, right? Um, generally speaking, uh, I think, you know, the vehicles that have a bit more predictability to condition uh, and other vehicle characteristics are probably going to do better in a postcard sale, right? So for us, it'd be off-lease vehicles, right? So generally 36,000 miles, generally three years old because of the excess wear rules, generally with a, some level of predictability on condition versus a repossession portfolio that's you know, much more variable uh, amongst all those characteristics. Um, now, having said that, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same as, uh, or very similar to the dynamic on true upstream or, or online. Um, it's not to say that uh, rougher, higher mileage vehicles wouldn't do uh, well in a postcard type setting. Because uh, we, again, we've seen a lot of success in selling repossessions uh, in online upstream uh, platforms. But um, I think over the course of a larger portfolio, 
over time, uh, you'll probably see some of the tendencies that, that I described with, uh, again, late model, lower mileage, uh, better conditioned vehicles probably doing better in a postcard sale. John? Yeah, we uh, at Subaru, we're, half of our auctions are now running under the, the postcard or the digital. And from my buyer's perspective, when we first started doing this, I, I, I called some of our larger buyers and asked them what they thought. And it really works out easy for us because, I mean, the majority of the cars that we're selling are either corporate vehicles, so they're current model, one model year old, 10,000 miles. It's either the rental repurchase, again, which are right now we're selling 18s, and uh, I'm selling them in a closed environment only to Subaru retailers. So they have no issue with it. They're, they're fine. The, the condition reports are, are accurate. Um, we were doing 65% simulcast sales historically anyway. Uh, a lot of my buyers don't even show up at the auction. So the, uh, the fact that we went to the, to the digital or the postcard has, has, has really worked out well. And I'll tell you, one of the other benefits, and you know, based on, on weather, I mean, it's really nice when you go to Chicago in January for an auction and you have both doors closed and you have the heaters on and you're sitting down and you're not freezing and you're selling cars and they're not running through the lane. So there's, there's some advantages to the postcard sale. So with ARI, our fleet is so diverse. A lot of our specialty type auctions are just that, a postcard type sale. We have some white labeled sites that we have that are just static pictures that we sell on right now. Um, our fleet is not anywhere near like John's. It's older and it's a lot of miles. Um, a lot of our auction partners in the audience will um, appreciate that a lot of it comes in with some engine noise and it's, it's a little bit rougher. So right now, all of our stuff is rolling through the lanes once it's at the physical location auction. Okay, Tom? Well, I'm gonna try and answer this in, in the context of not ending up on the menu that Peter <laughs> referenced in the last, uh, his, his speech. So um, with respect to virtual lane, the question for us is not whether our it's right for our vehicles or not. The question for us is, is it right for our buyers or not? And at Ford, um, I, probably most of you know, we have a long uh, legacy of dedication to the physical auction lane, including running the cars through the lane. Consequently, we have a very dedicated and I would add vocal base of physical buyers that, that come to our sales. We also have a very large dealer base in general. And uh, while I understand all the, um, the, 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 uh, the business case for virtual lane, and I do agree in times of really bad weather, it, it definitely comes in handy and it allows you to run cars when you might otherwise not be able to. The concept of widespread adoption of the virtual lane is not something that our dealers appear to be ready for. We tried it in a couple instances, and I'll just tell you bluntly, I got my head handed to me. And I'm responsible for making sure that we move the metal because we move hundreds of thousands of vehicles. I really cannot afford to upset my buyer base out there. And if anyone's familiar with the Ford and the Ford dealer and Lincoln dealer relationship, you know that it is a very tight relationship. Ford and Lincoln dealers are influential dealers and that relationship is taken seriously within the company. So as some of you know, because I've 
I've talked about this in the past. If this is, a, if this is something that uh, the industry wants to do, I think it needs to be more of an industry initiative, an educational initiative, because we've got to bring at least my buyers along for, for the ride. So at this point in time, uh, we're not really pursuing it outside of the instances that John referred to with respect to weather and that kind of thing. So we, uh, I agree with that for late model, low mileage cars, uh, postcard sales work, our guys buy cars that way from the manufacturers. But our experience at our auction, we don't sell, we sell very few cars in a postcard sale. It, usually it's something that doesn't run, that we can't run through the line, or it's just we've got excess cars that week and we're trying to speed the auction up. But we're, our experience is that as a car goes down the line, it gets better money than it does on a postcard sale. And, one of the, we, and we have a simulcast with our auction, so uh, at about two-thirds of the buyers at our auction are online watching on the simulcast, but what we're finding is that the vast majority of our cars get sold to the guys that are standing in the lane. And we get better, we get better money on the cars uh, as they go down the lane. So we're not, we're not looking to, uh, to move to more postcard sales right now. Okay. Dan, I want to just yep. follow up to something that, that Tom had mentioned about you know, speaking to the, to the buyers. And it, and it is true, I agree with him that we have to, we have to keep the buyers happy. The one thing that, that seemed to work when we implemented at half the auctions, we did insist that the vehicles were staged on sale day, on site, so that when the buyers came in either the day before or the morning of the sale, they could physically walk the cars, still see them, they just weren't coming down the lane. And that seemed to appease some of the, the holdouts that really wanted to touch the car and kick the tires. The cars were staged, and, but then during the sale, they just didn't run down the lane. Yeah, we see the same thing. We, yeah. we, a lot of our simulcast buyers come look at the car before the sale, and then they'll actually make their bids yeah. while, while on the simulcast. So it's kind of a nice blending of, 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 of both worlds uh, to do it that way. I mean, it, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, it, and Peter said it earlier, things change in this industry takes time. You know, it's, it doesn't happen right away. And, you know, that's how we basically had to, to, to transition into it. And I'm still only 50% of my, I still 50% of my sales are still running down the lane. So I probably will go to 100% within the next year, but we started with 50%. So John, when you started this, did you go out to your dealer body? Yes. And work with your dealer councils to that's explain exactly, what you were that's doing exactly and why you were doing we it? That's exactly what we did. I mean, you know, <clears throat> I know who's buying, you know, I see the reports and I, Basically, I picked up the phone and I called and I said, here's what we're going to do. I want your opinion. What do you think? And that's when the first thing they said was, well, we, we want to see the cars. I said, they will be staged. You can come see them. And, um, and everybody seemed to be okay with it. Um, again, that was the critical piece. That solves the, I want to touch the car. It's there to touch. It's just not going to run down the lane. Okay. Uh, Tyler, as a, as a buyer, Okay, it's kind of shifting around here. Right. Does a postcard type of sale drive more work for your buyers that are out at the auction? They can't stand in the sale lane and see it. They've got to go out and walk it. They may have to go out the day before. Cars may not be there. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, on, the, on the stuff that we're buying for our certified programs, the late model things, I don't know that we're actually looking at a lot of those cars. We're buying them remotely in a lot of cases. They're not in our market or in the location where we're buying them. And I think it's like anything. It's, you, you buy for a while until you get burned. If you start having a bad experience, you'll stop, you'll stop buying cars sight unseen. But uh, I, I understand from our stores, we're not having bad experience Certainly with the manufacturer sales, the cars are what, what they're laid out to be, and so we're pretty comfortable buying that way. Because if you have a problem, they're standing behind the vehicle. Either the auction is or the, the OEM. Yeah, but it's still, it's, it's, if you're a used car guy, you don't want to have to go through the, the process. I mean, you want the car to be what it's related to be, and uh, so they, they, they might get taken care of, but it's still a bad experience. Sure. Um, what types of changes do you gentlemen see uh, that the digital selling is this continues to evolve to more and more um, from a disclosure standpoint, from a condition report standpoint? Is there going to have to be more information, mechanical, computer, uh, to get you comfortable with being able to buy, especially the later mo or the the older models? Tyler, why don't you start? So, well, I. Our guys are looking for the story. What, what's the story on this car? Where, was it a... The pedigree. Yeah. Is, yeah. It, is it a lease return? Is it a repo? Is it a rental car? You know, we like to know the story and we want to look at the car facts. We want, if there's maintenance history, what, you know, whatever we can find out about the car to make us comfortable. So whatever digital technology is there that helps us do that, that's great. Uh, but just the more information that we can get about a car makes us more comfortable that we can tell that story to a retail customer. Because that's what, the, the, ultimately, we want to be able to sell that car to a retail customer and tell them the story. John? Yeah, I agree. The um, you know, condition reports, the electronic condition reports have improved you know, dramatically over the last five years. And, and I remember panels eight years ago when we were first talking about upstream and, you know, and selling the cars just based on, on, the, on the pictures. Uh, we all said the same thing. You know, the buyers want to be informed. They need to know. And to, to, to Tyler's point, you know, that vehicle is going to end up being sold to an ultimate retail consumer who's going to ask questions, who's going to pull Carfax. What is the story with this pre-owned car? And the more that we can show, the more accuracy, you know, the better. Um, when we first started upstream and you know, it's 2003, which is like dog years in, 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 in this industry. Uh, I remember the, the first cars we sold upstream, I waited a week and I picked up the phone and I called the buyers. And what I wanted to ask them was when the car showed up, was it as represented that they saw online? And my boss said to me, and he said, you're opening Pandora's box, why are you doing this? I said, because I need to have a comfort level to know that you know, the condition reports are accurate so that these cars, I don't want to have, you know, 50, a 50% arbitration rate because the car shows up and it's not as, as described. So it's, it's critical for, for the digital, for the, you know, for the condition reports to be accurate. And I think they are making improvements. And there, there's still room to get better based on, like you said, all of the electronics and everything else and the mechanical issues. I mean, it's more than just how many scratches are on the car. Yeah. And I think for, you know, our world, We've seen our online digital sales just skyrocket year over year. They continue more and more people. It depend, depends on how you define buying digital. Is it the guy who's watching it coming through the lane and buying it online? Is it 
bought on an OVE type virtual market platform, but we continue to see that uh, escalate, and I think that's because the industry has made great strides in the, in the condition reporting process. Are we eventually going to get to no cars down the lane? Absolutely. As we see today in the expo hall, we see a lot of uh, vendors with uh, novel ideas about condition reports, the, the video, the listening, so you can hear that lower noise or that upper noise. Will we get there? Yes. I think we'll just continue to go that way as, as things evolve. Jim, coming out of a fleet company, you've got maintenance records on a lot of your vehicles. Mm -hmm. Do you share those? We do. We do. So they're available. If we have, if we perform the maintenance on that vehicle, they're available. Yes. And Tyler, that's the type of information then that you're looking for, for to tell that story? Absolutely, yeah. You know, we'd love to be able to say a little old lady drove it to church on Sunday and that's all it got used. So whatever that information is and, and the, uh, the maintenance history is huge. Uh, so yes, that's real valuable to us. Okay. Jason, any thoughts on? Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, I mean, it, it is encouraging to see, uh, as my colleagues here have pointed out, um, a lot of sort of innovation and um, in sort of CR space. Uh, I guess, you know, whether it's, you know, 360 degree imaging, um, certain, you know, companies sort of pu pushing the issue on getting more disclosure on, on mechanical and, um, you know, and not just frame. I mean, we're talking about, you know, drivetrain, engine, powertrain, that kind of thing. Um, which again, I agree, it's all good in terms of getting uh, more accurate uh, depiction of the vehicle, which is certainly critical for, you know, digital selling, uh, online upstream. I guess from, from my standpoint, uh, what you would hope to see is with all of this sort of enhanced, you know, um, information on the vehicles, uh, you know, does that come with an associated, you know, drop in your arb rate, your buyback rate, right? Because that's, you know, some of these things will, you know, could have a tendency to have, you know, put downward pressure on proceeds, um, which is, is fine so long as you, it comes with an associated drop in your ARB and buyback rate. So I guess, I don't know if there's any, you know, industry data available um, for such a thing, but I guess I'm not so certain that that's the dynamic you'd see, right? So that, I think that's, uh, I think will, be pl will play out as some of these uh, newer technologies and enhancements become more kind of prolific in the industry. Tom, thoughts? Uh, well, we'll definitely uh, afford to, we'll use any, uh, any new process or technology that we think will enhance uh, buyer confidence in the product that we're offering for sure because that obviously is key in consistency and confidence in, um, in the buyer base that uh, they know what they're buying. So we definitely will continue to do that. I mean, our as far as our kind of go-to-market strategy and channel mix. I mean, we've, we, like uh, these folks, we've all seen an increase in digital uptake, whether it's simulcast or our upstream or buy now platforms and things like that. However, that, that, that adoption curve obviously was very, very high in the early to mid-2000s. Since then, it's kind of evened out a little bit. It's, uh, digital's obviously creeping up a little bit year over year. We haven't seen any dramatic changes, probably because our strategy has kind of stayed the same. But we, are, we have pretty, we have confidence in that strategy because we still consider the uh, price discovery we get at auction as the most important thing that we can do to support the other technologies that provide dealers the opportunity to buy the vehicles before they get to auction. So again, like uh, uh, that dynamic, 
Um, I'm going to paraphrase a general manager, I won't name who it was, but he, he, he made a good point to me a few years ago, and he's like, you know, that dynamic between auctioneer, ringman, seller, and buyer in the auction lane with the product in front of him, he goes, there's magic there. There's emotion there. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying we won't ever get to the point where we won't run the, the physical product in front of the person interested in buying it. However, until we see at Ford, I'm speaking obviously for myself and our, our, our process, that we see the dealers ready to grab hold of that, you probably won't see a, a whole lot of change in that from that perspective. Have you started to embrace your dealers with, with the concept? We did, we tested, I, well, I, yeah, I mean, we, we ran a couple very limited tests because after one sale, um, the test ended. <laughs> based on the feedback. And the, the issue was, uh, and we did some, we marketed it. Um, we worked with one, one of our independent auctions um, who, who helped us kind of um, soften up the, the buyer, the, the Ford dealers up to the concept. And, uh, you know, I, what can I tell you? I mean, we had, uh, we had feed, word started getting out that we were going to go to this and kind of a little bit all of, it got a little out of control because just the few dealers that participated started calling dealers or buyers that hit, were in different markets saying, Ford is doing this and we should band together and not, I'm like, holy shit, time out, right? So uh, we did try, we did do that. Now I'm not saying that Ford dealers will never come around to it or anything like that. I'm just saying, again, uh, from an industry perspective and an auction chain perspective, I think it needs to be a more coordinated effort um, to, to do this because I, I haven't seen too many dealer consignment lanes shift over to virtual lanes. I'm not sure it's uh, really uh, in my best interest to, uh, to take that risk right, right now as, as an OEM consigner. I agree. There's a lot to be said for the emotion in the lane. That's, that's where a lot of the money gets generated on, on reselling of cars. And the, the number one thing we found, though, is is making sure that you let the cars go. We, we had that battle with a lot of our guys that didn't want to, they would put artificial numbers on them that they wanted and then they wouldn't sell the car. So we've really upped our sale percentage and we're selling, if we have 200 cars that run through, we'll sell over 150 of them. We're over 75% and that brings the bidders back over and over and over again. And I think that's the number one thing we've found that's made our sales successful is that we let the cars go. So they know if they show up, there's a good chance that they're going to be able to walk away with exactly. the car or drive away. Yep. Yeah. And our dealers know we're, our, our cars are only going one direction. <laughs> they're only going out of the gate. So we, you know, obviously we can't take them back and put them into service. So um, if we've got active bidding, we're going to sell the car. Perfect. Gentlemen, we are uh, to the end of our time. I want to thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes this special used car week edition of the Auto Remarketing Podcast. Be sure to save the date for next year's used car week, which takes place November 16th through November 20th, 2020 at the Weston Kierlin in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you there. If you're like many dealers, you're probably asking the question, how is it that we sold more used cars last year but made less money? 
In his latest book, Gross Deception, a tale of shifting markets, shrinking margins, and the new truth of used car profitability, author and V-Auto founder Dale Pollack answers the question. The problem, according to Pollack, is that the used car market experienced a seismic change in 2016 that no one seemed to notice. Gross Deception details what happened and how dealers can get back to making money in used cars. Pre-order Gross Deception from Amazon today or visit the V-Auto booth at NADA for a consultation and a free copy.